We are live here on this lovely Wednesday afternoon. It's a nice day out. It's been better, you know. This week's been, it's been on the hotter end. Today's topic, we're going to be talking about the Cleveland Cavaliers and their recent struggles. So, looking, looking at it, they've lost now back-to-back. 76ers into the Hawks. And it's, it's 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 two games, yeah, but the the worst part is that the East is so close this year. So it's losing those two games is really crucial because they dropped I mean they didn't drop, but it just adjusted the standings. They dropped one spot. Chicago or Milwaukee passed them. Chicago and Miami are tied now. So but it's just like the teams behind them are catching up. Brooklyn, most likely, will get better after the departure of James Harden in that blockbuster trade. Philly, obviously, they got James Harden, so they're going to be on the rise. And so it's just looking at their team, what can they do to stop this, to not fall into a bigger hole? So, because before that, they were they were on a winning streak, you know, they lost, they won four in a row. They won, like... 11 out of 13, their only losses are two, were bad losses, you know. They were to the Rockets, and Pistons, and those were just, those are unexcusable losses. Those, they still should not have been losses. And now they play the Pistons tomorrow. And that should be an easy win, right? I mean, it's the Pistons. Not a good team. They have the first overall pick, of course, in Cade Cunningham. We all know that. But they have 12 wins on the season. So, it will be it'll be an interesting matchup, I think. It's after the All-Star break. They'll have, they have a whole week off to recuperate. And then they'll face them. So, hopefully in this week, they will get Laurie Markin back. And... It'll be his first look with the new look Cavs with Karis LeVert joining their team at the trade deadline. So it'll really see what JB does with the team. Because I still think that Karis LeVert should still come off the bench. And I know, I know that's it's like, it's this it's controversial. People are saying, do this, do this. But I was also someone who thought that JB would start all three bigs. When they made that marketing trade, I was like, I was asked, what are you, what, is he going to come off the bench? Or is Mobley not going to start? And I said, why don't we play all three? Markman at the three, Mobley at the four, Allen at the five. Why, why can't they do that? It's too big, people said. Well, let's see where it's gotten them. They're a four seed. They were projected to win, like, what, 20 games this season. They're now a four seed contending for in the East because of this big lineup. And even with Markinen out, they're still playing Dean Wade, who's still, he's not, he's no short. He's 6'9", 6'10". Gives them shooting, gives them height. Not the best defender, not the best rebounder, but he still has that height. And so when you look at that, I still think they should keep the big three, those big three, and then Garland and Okoro. 
and we don't need to get into Sexton coming back. If he comes, I he won't come back this season, even if we make a deep playoff run. He'll come back next season. What they do with him will be interesting because they could start him. They could bring up Karis Levert and have Okoro and Sexton come off the bench and run the run the bench squad. But it's more of a should they start Karis Levert over Isaac Okoro, and my my answer is no. Isaac Okoro, he's no Matisse Thybul. He's no Drew Holiday. He's no great defender that's out there able to stop anyone. He's no Mobley for that. But he's able to guard the primary ball handler better than your average, you know, random player. So keeping him out there in the starting lineup, it's just it's able to minimize players like Steph Curry, just for instance. You're able to stop him more easily because you're able to, you know, have a good defender on him. I don't see Karis LeVert stepping up and being that on-ball defender. I, I see him as someone who can score, someone who can, you know, get a few points, get a few rebounds here and there. But I don't, I don't see him coming, starting at the two. I see him, once again, yeah, I see him coming off the bench and orchestrating there, being the primary scorer. But then, if you don't know the Cavs, the Cavs are a very, very spotty team. They'll have, for instance, let's look at, let's look at, yes, or let's look at their last game against the Hawks. Garland had 30, Mobley had 22, Kevin Love had 21, Jared Allen had 14. Those are their top four scores. On any given night, those four can be different players. Like, for the first game back, those four, those top four, two of them could be the same. That was it. Because Karis LeVert wasn't in there. So Karis LeVert, boom. He gets you 20, he's up there. Kevin Love has an off game. He doesn't take 12 threes. He only takes six. He only makes two. Boom, he's not up there either. I mean, if and then there's the other bench player that catches fire all the time in Jetty Osmond. He catches fire. There's another guy. So it's if he if Jet, if Karis LeVert can come off the bench, be a spark, shoot better than four for twelve, or you know to score a bit more, get to the free throw line, free throw line a bit more. That's where he will thrive. Because then again, he will be playing up against other bench players. And if you look around the league, who's the best sixth man right now? Tyler Hero. I see him as a scorer, not a defender. There's Kevin Love's up there. There's Montrez has always been up at the top. So you look at those kind of players, none of them are that great, amazing scorer. None of them are, you know, all defensive team all defensive team players. For the exception of Thibault, who, you know, he is great, but he's not going to be guarding Levert. He's not. He's going to be. He's going to be starting. He's going to be. Or he's not going to be starting. And it depends on how the Sixers want to revamp their lineup. So he might be, but he is going to be guarding more of a Mobley, Garland, that type of player. You know, the best player on the team. So that's what he's going to do. So if Karis Levert, because he's not. He's also not going to orchestrate the offense. Rondo will. 
depending on who's out there, if Rondo is out there by himself or Rondo and Garland are together, one of them will be orchestrating the offense. Because Rondo is that player. He is the person that can get you eight-plus assists on any given night. Yes, he had three. Yes, he shot 0 for 1. Yes, he played 19 minutes. Yes, let's, his plus-minus was minus 16. Only one player had worse, and it was Mobley. But he's still that player. He can do that. He he had an off night. Everyone has an off night. It's like Trey Young put up 41. He wasn't missing. He was getting to the, he had He had more f- free throws than the whole Cavs team in the second half. And so if Rondo can orchestrate, and if Kevin Love and Jetty Osmond can hit their threes and not shoot poorly, then Levert should be able to be a threat then, off the bench. Because then you have Kevin Love, who will be setting screens at the top, top, doing little picks, catching, shooting, doing little dribble moves like that, short little bursts. And then either kicking out, going to a different place, or going for a rebound because it's Kevin Love. And then you have Jetty Osman, who will do you, as JB experimented a couple weeks ago. He can play the point. He point Jetty. He was starting. He can. He can dribble. He can do that. He's more of a spot-up shooter, kind of, just, you know, will dribble around, shoot the three, kind of, you know, just a typical wing, Danny Green type of player, but without the defense. And if he can catch fire, he will be good. So now you have Rondo orchestrating, and they only play 14. They're not playing Dylan Windler, Goodwin, Lamar. They haven't played in a couple games. Which sucks, because Goodwin was starting to heat up. Dylan Windler shooting 40% on the, on the year from three. Lamar Stevens started when Garland was out. So they've all seen their fair share of time this year. So... If JB will shorten this, shorten the lineup, keep it where it is, because the four players coming off the bench, I don't see any of them getting minutes cut, except Osman, who's already been seeing the minutes going down as Levert's playing. And then maybe Dean Wade as a starter. But he's also been, he's been very consistent of recently. He doesn't score a lot, he doesn't take a lot of shots. He shot three for four from the field, two for two from three. But he was able to get that spark of eight points, plus nine. So he's able to do stuff like that, too. So I don't see his minutes going below 20. Maybe, maybe like the 18, 17 area. And then, so back to Karis Levert. So he shot one for six from three. Not a good night. We can just say that. He had nine points, two assists, no rebounds. Whereas, let's compare him to Okoro. Koro had six points, fouled out. Karislover had nine points, two fouls. Fouls aren't important, but I'm just, it's just there. Levert was a minus nine. Okoro was one of the only players in the positive besides Dean Wade. And Jared Allen was canceled out with zero. So Okoro was able to provide that defensive factor on Trey Young. Yes, Trey Young scored 41. He had a great, great night. He's able to put up 41 and 9. But he was only a plus 5. He had 4 turnovers. And so, in Okoro, 
let's let's just say you put Garland on him. Let's say you put because I mean he, Garland would gone onto him a lot because of the switch. But let's just say you put Levert on him. He goes off for fifty plus to, last night, the other night, whatever, whenever it was. He goes off for fifty. He just has this amazing game. But Akora was able to slow that down a bit. And then you also check the height factor. Isaac Coro is 6'5". Karis Levert is 6'6". So Karis Levert's a bit taller. Probably means he's slower. He's taller means slower. Not always. Coro also has that hustle. Karis Levert's coming off this pacer team that really did not want him. Did not want to make the playoffs. Wanted to kind of rebuild. So kind of has that fuel. He came off that 41-point game right before he was traded to the Cavs. So he has all this built-up energy. He probably wants to start. He did start a game. Um, but I just don't see JB switching him. So, if we look at this lineup with Levert in, and let's say everyone's healthy, besides Sexton, of course. Let's say let's just say, after the All-Star break, Markman comes back, fully healthy. So, Dean Wade's going to come off the bench now. Dean Wade will get... Now, I said Dean Wade wouldn't get under 20, 18. When Markman's back, he will get under 20 or 18. He will probably be around 10, because then the Cavs will be playing five deep. And Pangos or Ed Davis will probably drop down again. But when with him back, Dean Wade's minutes go down. Everyone's minutes go a bit down, because Markman will play. But... So let's do Darius Garland, great year, all-star year, averaging 20 and 8. He's having a great year. And then Levert, technically, you know, second second best scorer on the team, like averages-wise, averaging 18. So then you think to yourself, why is he not starting if he's the second best scorer on the team? And to my answer to that is... You already have so many scores already on offense in the starting five. So, Garland can shoot the three ball, can dribble, great. He's this great um, perimeter threat, interior threat. He can do basically everything. And then there's uh, Okoro, who can slash, as we've seen this year, with his dunks on Houston and all that. And he can, he's very spotty, yes. He can shoot the three ball, but it's very spotty. He shot two for three against Atlanta. And on the year, he's shooting 31%, so a bit raised from his career average of just under 30. But I see him improving. Uh, as of recent, I have seen him improving. So let's say it's his last 10. His last 10 games, he has shot 45% from three. And if you've been watching the games, you can you've been able to visual, visually see him increasing that percentage, and it's been going up recently. So now you compare that to early Okoro, back when he was just strictly a defender and the occasional drive, and he could not score. It's he's now getting um, he's now going to have to be respected. People have they've been treating him like Westbrook. Not, he's not as good as a player, of course, but they've been treating him like Westbrook as they won't really respect him as much on the three-point line unless he's made a couple. 
and that can be that can be challenging because if you're in a bad rhythm, you're not going to feel as well. But he's in bringing it up, so teams have to respect him. Now Garland can drive, and we already know that's the this is the best lob threat team in the league. They have two of the best lob catchers and one of the best lob throwers besides the obvious in Chris Paul and those kinds those kind of bi- those kind of great point guards. So they can do that and now you have you bring back Laurie Markman who can also stretch the floor shoot the, shoot the three. There's no need for Karis Levert to start. Because you just lose defense now. Because if Okoro can bring up his averages, now he's averaging the same three-point ball as Karis LeVert. He won't shoot it as much middies because that's not his game. Because why would you settle for a midi when you're not the star player? And your main role is to sit in the corner, shoot a three, drive if it's open, and play defense. If you need a two, you go to... There's three players on the team that can get you a two 85% of the time. Darius Garland shoots a midi. Throws a lob, layup. You just have Jared Allen back the player down. Evan Mobley do a nice little drop step type of move. They will most likely score. Jared, Jared Allen is in the top top five right now as a free as a field goal percentage. He's a very efficient player. He shot six for eight against Atlanta. And that's against Clint Capella, who was held two for five. So. He shot 75% from the field, so that's great. Then there's Mobley. Mobley had one of his best games in a while. Yes, he had. He put up his, what, 16-17 rebound night a couple weeks ago. He had 22-10. and 10. That's a lot of points. 22 is a lot of points for this rookie. He has not been putting up numbers like that. I don't know if that's his career high. I can check. I'll check and see. But it's that was a lot of points for Mobley. And it's, yeah, it's not a career high. His career has 29, but 22, 29, seven points off. That's not that difference. And in, well, Mobley gave four steals against the Hawks. And that was his best steal game. So you don't have to play the best, you know, you don't have to always have the most points on the team, most career highs back to back to back. And then, if you look at Isaac Okoro, let's look at let's look at Isaac Okoro's career high stuff. So, the most amount of points he's ever scored is thirty-two. That was last last season. That was all the way in May. Because of the altered season. He hasn't set any career highs this year. He's been in the league a couple years. No, he was drafted 2020. The fifth overall pick. But he hasn't set any career highs this year. <clears throat> Besides defensive rebounds. Oops. I apologize. Oh, and three-pointers made. Exactly. Boom. There is the stat I was looking for. Three-pointers made. He made four three-pointers. He's done it two times, so maybe this isn't the first time he's done it. But his last time was against the Heat, December 13th. 
So, if he's able to not only do that, but if he's able to... He's able to put up... Let's just say he shoots four three-pointers a night. He doesn't have to make all four, but he shoots four three-pointers a night, and he makes two. Shooting 50%. Shoot makes two. That's at least six points. He'll drive a couple times. Gets ten. If Garland can get 30, 25, a core can get 10, the bigs can get their numbers, they don't need that Karis LeVert points in their starting lineup, because there's not going to be enough for him. So Garland's points will go down, Karis's might go down as well, just because they have to share the ball more. So, when Markkinen comes back, when the season continues after their after the all-star break i see this team staying as there is except flipping dean wade and more marketing that's all i see being different and i don't really see them losing too much more i think they'll use the all-star break to recuperate it's in Cleveland, so they don't have to travel. That is super nice. They have their skills challenge that is coming up in a couple days that they're going to do, as their big three will do. They have two players participating in the All-Star game for the first time in almost a decade from a player not named LeBron James. And last one, I think, was Mo Williams or Big Z. I guess, never mind. There's Kyrie. There is Kevin Love. I'm saying not like a big name player that was like, you know, you know, everyone, you know. So it's because Kevin Love, Kyrie, of course, made an all-star game. Kevin Love is, of course, made an all-star game. But those were those big players. And now this is the first player that's in a while. I guess, I mean, it's 2015, 2016. That's been a while. It's five years. But it's just, it's great for the organization to getting these all-star players. Garland deserved it. Allen didn't get in until that third player got injured. But, it'll be great. They get a, Garland, Allen both get to maybe play with LeBron. Maybe get some floor time with him, see how he works. But the main thing to me is that they don't have to travel. They get to stay home. They get to relax. They're, they got to be with their team the whole time. Whereas all those big name players, maybe their whole team don't won't come, you know? I don't think it's common that they all do. So I see them being able to talk, being able to practice, run more plays, have marketing and heal, since no one knows when he's coming back. There's been no timetable. So hopefully it's soon. And then I see them coming back. Their first game against the Pistons. So I don't I don't think they lose in that game in the, in the rest of February. Pistons, Wizards, Timberwolves, they won't lose. I don't think they'll lose. Then the start March. The start March pretty pretty difficult. March will not be easy for this team. They start off with the Hornets, a team they've beat before, a team they've beat controversially, as we all remember that game. So that should be an interesting game. Wondering no one gets injured, it can go either way. Um, but let's say they win, just for the sake of this. Let's say they win. That's four in a row. Then they play Philly. They play new-looked Philly with James Harden. And they just could not beat him. They could not take the lead. They could not put up any offense. They couldn't stop them. Their last time they played. So I don't see them winning that game. 
there's one that they can't win. But then you again you look at you look at Philly and they don't really have a defense. So if what I was talking about earlier, and if Karis Levert can take over that bench, put up twenty against them, there's a good chance they might be able to win that. And there's Toronto, surging team. Everyone thought they'd be I counted them out. I didn't think they'd come back, and boom, they're only four games behind Cleveland. So there's those couple games. Then you have Indiana, another game against Indiana. So Karis Levert play play his former team and then you go on a pretty difficult stretch from March 3rd to March 18th you have to play a number one division East Division Miami Heat a num tied for number one as well Miami or Eastern Conference leading Bulls so both the tie leaders in the East and you got to play the Clippers who yes they're under 500 but they're a team that you can never know what's going to happen. They should not be winning games. You look at their roster, they should not be winning games. They just traded for Norman Powell from the Blazers, and he's injured, he's out. They should not be winning games. Their two stars are out. But they do. They come back down 30 sometimes, and they will come out and squeak out a win, which is insane. So you never know with that team. And then following that, you have a game against Philly, once again. And then then after Philly, you head to... You don't head to, you just play, you play the Nuggets. They play the Nuggets. Three, three of these games are at home. The last three, Clippers, 76ers, Nuggets. They're at home. But then you have Bulls, Heat and Bulls back-to-back. Back-to-back in Miami, in Chicago. That will be the deciding factor as do they want to make the playoffs? Do they want to be a high seed? They got to win two out of the five, maybe win most of them because in their season still is difficult. They play the Bulls still. They play a Lakers team that no one really knows where they are because they've been losing so much. But they have this all-star break. Hopefully they will also recuperate. You know, no one knows. Everyone's counting them out. But come to playoff time, no one wants to see them as a seven seed. Oh, maybe they'll want revenge from last season. But then you have the new look magic. You play the Hawks again. They play lowly Pistons. They play the Raptors. They shouldn't... Magic, who they could lose. They play the 76ers. They play the 76ers a couple more times. They play them three more times. They play the Bucks as their final season, which happens to be... They'll, there'll be a couple more games after that. But then they play the Nets... They play the Knicks, who no one knows where they're going because they sometimes look good. As I hear, Julius Randle's playing better, but that record does not show for that as of now. So, they gotta win a couple games. I see them finishing the season probably a 4, maybe drop to a 5. Because it's very close. They're only half a game above Philly. So I see them finishing as a five. I see them playing Philly in the first round. Whether we have home, well, whether the Cavs have home court advantage or not, I see them playing Philly, and I see them most likely losing that first round. I see them making the playoffs for the first time without LeBron in so long. But I see them losing that first round six, seven games to the Philly because that team is just Joel Embiid. 
front runner for MVP, most likely will win it. He'd get my vote if I had a vote. And James Harden, who we all know is a character, you know. He'll play good, then he'll have scandals and do all this stuff, want to trade. But I think he'll like it in Philly. I think he will thrive. And I think they will beat the Cavs in six, seven, I'll say seven, seven games. So, I see them probably, if I, if I think, I'd think they'd finish. I don't think, I don't see them getting 50. But I see them 45, 46, around there. You know, they play, let's see. They play around, I think, 24 more games. So if they go split it, go 500, 12 and 12, and they go 47, 47 and 30, 34, or 35, 47, 35, that's a pretty good record. So if they do that, maybe four seed, five seed, maybe they beat out Milwaukee or three seed, they play Boston, they play Toronto, they could... Uh, they could do something. Because they could win. They No one's expecting them to win. No one is expecting... They're, they're, a four, they're a four seed. I doubt there's one person that thinks... That's not a Cav fan. That thinks this Cleveland Cavaliers team will win the finals. Because it's just so unlikely. It's so... Such a hard thing to do. You're not gonna go and you're not gonna go into Milwaukee most likely and be reigning Finals MVP on the center to Kumpo. That's not gonna be easy. You're not going to go into Phoenix in the finals and beat that team. That is a great team coming off a loss in the finals. They're gonna want revenge. Then there's Golden State, there's Memphis, there's so many good teams that come out the West that could be a very hard challenge, most likely. Most likely impossible. So, my my opinion on the Cavs is, even if they play their best basketball, I don't see them making out the second round. I don't think they'll make it past the first, but they do. I don't see them making past the second round. Which is so much better than everyone predicted. So, it's a win still. It's a win still. They, their pick won't matter. They just gotta try again next year. They've had a great year so far, but we'll have to see how it goes. Thank you for listening to In the Dusk. Hope to see you again.